The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including ACLA Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Clean Energy Advisors. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the UR Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is Todd Croslin, the CEO and founder of Seed Equity Ventures, one of our great sponsors. We're thrilled to have you on the show again, Todd. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you, bet. you bet. Thank you, Devin. Happy to be here. Well, Todd, we've got an important topic to talk about today, and that's uh, due diligence. You know, with in the last couple of years, there have been some massive changes, really tremendously significant, at least for ordinary investors. These are big deals uh, that that people that have not been able to invest in uh, startups now have the ability to do so through either Regulation A-plus offerings or Regulation crowdfunding offerings. And so we've got a whole millions upon millions of people who need to be learning about how to do due diligence before they make these kinds of risky investments. And I appreciate you taking some time today to help us talk through some of the key issues that people need to be thinking about. Now, working from a list that you provided, let's just talk about these one at a time. Your first point was that uh, we need to look at to see if there is a minimum viable product or a prototype with proof of concept. Why, Why is that important? Well, I think uh, we've, we've talked in the past about the many companies that we look at each month and each year. Uh, I've got a little bit of feedback on this, Devin. Do you hear that? I don't. Um, I apologize. Let me uh, mute my microphone and see if that'll help. Okay. That seems to, can you, can you hear me? That seems to be a lot better. Um, but if, if we look at, um, uh, you know, the opportunities that are available for, for investors, and I look at, you know, kind of our own portfolio and the companies that we have invested in or raised capital for, um, there's a myriad of opportunities for investors to look at. And so I think, I think as we start this, the, the one thing that I would, I would um, advise is to take a portfolio view for these investors. And so... If they're going to, you know, set aside, you know, X amount of dollars for investing in early stage companies, uh, look at spreading that amongst, you know, 15 or 20 uh, companies. And so, so now you've got, you know, your portfolio. This is your risk capital. This, this isn't your 401k. This isn't retirement. This isn't, you know, to make your mortgage payments. This is. This is a sliver of your investment portfolio that you would allocate towards the sector. And so now you've, you've made that decision. You know, this is risk capital. I'm going to allocate it amongst 15 companies. Then you can go through. Hmm. It, uh, Todd, we seem to have lost you here. I'm hoping that that uh, connection will be restored momentarily. But uh, while we're waiting, uh, I, I'll just say I think that was a great point that you made that uh, uh, investors who are looking to start investing in startups, whether they are 
uh, affluent, accredited, wealthy, high net worth, or ordinary investors. In any case, they should be looking to invest, as you described it, a sliver of their investment portfolio in uh, startups, as that is really uh, a risky uh, part of the uh, asset uh, spectrum. And so you don't want to be overweighted in, in assets that could just blow up on you. Uh, so uh, that's a great point, uh, Todd. I'm hoping that uh, we can get you reconnected here quickly. That, uh, are you still getting the feedback you were getting before, Todd? No, this is perfect. Okay, so the, the question I put to you then is, uh, let's go back to the topic of a minimum viable product. Why do you think it's important to have a prototype or proof of concept available before uh, we invest? Well, I, I, think, um, I think there needs to be some you know, heavy lifting done from the entrepreneur and, and the founder where, where they've invested their own you know, time and effort and, and capital uh, to to get to a point where they're they do have a minimum viable product and they're ready to launch where they have launched and so I think it, it at least getting to that point you can make a more educated guess on your potential investment and then um, I, I think your your odds of success versus you know lots of people have lots of ideas which you know I applaud uh, but it's nice when those ideas are are put to you know, through the rigors of trial and error, and they actually have their their product or service, you know, up and running. Yeah. Well, the, the next point you offered was that they, you want to look for initial traction with active users. Uh, why is that important, and how do you find that? Well, uh, so what we're what we're looking for, and we think it's good for other investors to look for, is to find companies that. You know, they don't maybe necessarily have revenues yet, but maybe they, they've launched their product and they they have, you know, three beta companies that are using their service or they have, you know, it's it's an it's an app or web based product when they have, you know, 5000 users that are actively using their product and they're they're growing, you know, X percent per week per month. And so um, it's easy to, you know get excited about somebody's dream and whatnot, but is there, is there somebody in the marketplace that, that actually thinks that there's a, a use for their product or service? And so we, we think getting validation in the marketplace um, is important. And with yeah, early customers, with, with companies that we talk to, early customers, we, we like to talk to the company's early customers as well and, and get their, their thoughts, not coming from the founder, but from coming from the customers themselves. Oh, that's a great tip. Great tip. Now, uh, you, you next list, are there at least two full-time uh, team members? I thought that was a great insight uh, in my experience with solo, solo entrepreneurs. That's sometimes a tough gig. Why do you think having a team of at least two is important? Well, and most of the companies we invest in, there's, you know, there could be five or six or a dozen even already. Uh, but I think at least two, uh, there's, there's heavy lifting to do with any any new venture, and you know, having a, a technology uh, co-founder uh, that can help with the with the, the technology and, and with the launch and the development. I think that's key. But then you're you're going to need you know a financial and, and marketing uh, type person as well. So I think having the at least two two founders 
uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what, as investors are looking for opportunities, that's something that they should check off their list. Sure. Another tip related to uh, the team is you, you, you suggest identifying whether any of the founders have been uh, part of a successful uh, company launch in the past. Sure. Uh, that sort of precludes first-time entrepreneurs. Uh, that seems harsh. <laughs> I'm well, sure it seems harsh to some people. Tell us about what your experience is with that. I think um, I think all of these aren't aren't hard and fast, but they should be taken collectively. And if there's you know 12 items on our list that we are going to vet, and you know if we're really comfortable on with eight of them, and we think that there's you know such a compelling reason to invest in this company, we can, we can do that. But I think if you find, you know, founders that have had success with a previous startup or a previous company, I think that bodes well. So well, even if it wasn't successful, you know, what a, what a founder can learn from a previous experience, you know, dealing with investors and shareholders, launching your product, you know, the hours it's going to take, um, and the commitment that it takes, we think that that experience is is really important to have. Great. Now, uh, what, the next question you suggest is, was the team able to raise any funds prior to this raise? I, I think that's a great one. What, what's your experience that leads you to think that's an important factor? Well, I think, I think part of it is, um, so, the, you know, they've gone through the, uh, incorporation process. They've got a, a legal entity, and if they raise funds in the past, we'd like to review their cap table, and you know, and even potentially talk to some of those investors. You know, how how were you treated through this process? And then we also look at you know what what valuation uh, they raised money at at a previous round. Um, and so I think all those things are uh, kind of quantitatively put together as we, as we decide whether we want to move forward with the company or not. Yeah. Your, your next tip is uh, what is the payback period on the investment? How do you evaluate that? So at, at, at early stage that we're the area that we're investing in, um, it's, it's not like a, a, you know, a real estate investment where, you know, they're going to, you know, put 20% equity into their project and, they're looking to, you know, refinance it or sell it in, you know, eight years. So I think more than anything is it's hard to quantify, you know, what the payback would be, but you, you hope to find, you know, entrepreneurs and companies that will, ha that will have interest for other companies. I think that the typical or, or kind of the, um, the classic outcome that we're hoping for with these companies is that they'll be acquired by a larger business. And so, you know, do we think that this team can can build this into uh, uh, in such a manner to you know gain interest from you know larger you know competitors or companies that would want a complementary product in their portfolio? The next question is related to that, and it's when when you uh, have you calculated when you are expected to see a return on investment. Well, I think I think what you want to do is, and I think what we're looking at this is, there's there's some people that we talk to that uh, it might be a nice company, but this might be a nice company where there's they get four or five employees and it's a, a lifestyle 
business where uh, I, I can earn $150,000 a year running this company. And, you know, that's a nice livelihood and I'm, I'm happy to keep it this way and, and not worry about selling the business. And so we, we like to have the structure such and the commitment from the entrepreneurs that, you know, we're, we're going to grow this business in such a way that there'll be interest from, from, you know, outside investors or outside companies in the future. Yeah. Now, uh, the next question is, uh, is the entrepreneurial, is the entrepreneur's marketing plan realistic? That's a sure. great question, but how do you, how do you evaluate that? Well, I think it's, uh, so we would look at, um, if they're in a given industry, we would look at, you know, what, what competitors they have in the industry. We'd look at, you know, Crunchbase or, or AngelList to see, you know, if they've raised money in the past, uh, who are the investors. And, and then a lot of it is, um, you know, how likelihood is this team able to achieve their plans? And, you know, sometimes you'll see plans where we're going to do $100 million the first year, and we haven't done anything, but we're worth $20 million today. So I think somebody that's realistic, that's had, um, you know, mentorship and even have gone through an accelerator, they're, they're going to have a, a better handle on, on expectations and, and what they're going to, you know, do in growing and ramping their business. Yeah. Now, uh, the next question is really one for some introspection. I think it's, it's the question for the investor. Do you fully understand the industry? And I think that's a, uh, an important question and an important thing for entrepreneur investors to, to take that moment and say, do I really understand what I'm investing in? Right. So I agree. I mean, there's, there's some companies that we've talked to, they, they seem really interesting, but you know, there's our team would have no expertise and potentially no, you know, value added, uh, uh, consulting that we can give to the company. So, I think, you know, finding companies uh, that you're interested in just in your personal life, if you're, you know, an engineer or, or whatever field that you're in, uh, if you can add some, you know, expertise uh, through your investment process, we think that's important versus uh, investing in something that's completely out of one, your, your, your skill set or your knowledge base. Um, we, we don't think that probably makes a ton of sense because you'll have to rely wholly upon, you know, what other people are telling you. Now, the next question I think is just vitally important. One of the keys is have you looked closely at the competition? Uh, you probably heard entrepreneurs say they don't have any competition. <laughs> oh, it scares the scares me. But what's your take on this? Well, I think, um, and we've, we've heard that as well. And, well, I remember one one company we met with this you know last year. Um, they said they're they were so excited about their business model because their only competitor in this model in this in this business would be Microsoft. And <laughs> so talk about the eight hundred pound gorilla. Yeah, uh, that they could they could price them out of existence. And so I, I think. You know, I think that, you know, small, nimble companies can compete with these big players occasionally. But um, I think finding a, uh, a segment where there there could be a competitive advantage and, and maybe it's not against the 800-pound gorilla um, might be, I think, a good 
strategy for investors. Yeah. Another question you listed is, uh, have you looked uh, or how many investors are in the cap table? Why do you worry about the number of investors in the cap table? Well, I mean, so that's, that's somewhat changing with the, with the new regulation as well. So you have Reg A plus, which could have several thousand investors. Um, but along with that, you'll have a, a, a registered SEC transfer agent to keep track of the cap table and all the investors. But I think, uh, you know, more than anything, when we look at the cap table is, you know, there was one company that we looked at, they, they really hadn't launched a revenue product yet. And over the last, you know, five or six years, they'd raised, you know, $11 million at different valuations from a few hundred investors. And, uh, and so, none of those investors were, were getting a return on their investment yet. And now they're out raising more money. So I think the company was really good at raising money, but not really good at executing the plan. So I think this is one of the components that you'd want to look at is, you know, on the cap table, you know, investors, do they come in at a million dollar valuation? Then the next investors came in at a $2 million valuation. You know, how many of them were, uh, invested at different levels were they sophisticated investors or were these aunts and uncles so yeah. i think you can gain information from doing that sure and uh, the next question you had is how does the entrepreneur plan to use the the money i think that is a great yeah great insight you've got to understand that right so yeah use of proceeds and is it realistic and and if, if they're saying well i'm going to pay myself a quarter million dollars a year and so I'll have a year's worth of two years worth of runway rate on this half million dollar raise. That's not what we want to hear. But I think uh, somebody that's been thoughtful and, you know, they're looking at marketing or adding another, you know, a couple of engineers. And um, uh, we think just being thoughtful about their use of proceeds. And then is that realistic as well? And then another question you asked is what is the startup's burn rate? And, sure. and that too. Very important to understand. Sure. And we've seen lots of examples with, you know, company that's raising a million dollars and they have a, a quarter million dollar a month burn rate. And so, um, and maybe they're two years away from break even. And so this million dollars are trying to raise will only, you know, last them for four months, then they're out raising money again. So I think, you know, knowing what their burn rate or, you know, their, their net cash flow is 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 important to see if this investment will really get them to, you know, to their Series A where they're going to raise you know a significant amount of money. Yeah. Now, Todd, these are all great questions and great insights. I think one of the advantage of uh, one of the keys is to use the the process of obtaining these insights to better understand the management team. Don't you think the management team is a vitally important important part and we had a few specific management team questions in there, but all these questions give you an opportunity to get to know the management team. Correct. And that's, and that's, you know, so you've heard it your whole life, you know, you're betting on the, uh, the jockey and not the horse, but you're, you're, you're betting on a, on a couple of jockeys. And uh, that's it, one, they, they need to get along and, and they need to have demonstrated their ability to work together. And, you know, there'll be ups and downs that they'll face. 
you know, launching their business. And so, you know, getting the right, you know, the right people on the bus, so to speak, is, is key. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Todd, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I, I, I know we've asked you before. Tell us again how people can learn more about Seed Equity Ventures and connect with you. Sure. So um, the website is just seedequity.com. Uh, if you want to email me, happy to respond to any emails. It's crosland at seedequity.com. Fantastic. Well, Todd, thank you very much for joining us today. And we appreciate all the time you, uh, you give us. Great. Devin, thank you. All right. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. Clean Energy Advisors creates investment opportunities in the renewable energy sector that provide clients with a predictable income, preservation of capital, and positive impact. Clean Energy Advisors is committed to providing clients with investment opportunities with both market rates of return and measurable impact. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur, or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.